Hey there, it's Matt from Generator. I would love for you to be able to listen to all of our new episodes as soon as they come out. So please make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or just head over to generatorpodcast.com. Also, if you like the show and want to support me, you can now leave me a tip with no membership necessary. It's just like tossing a buck or two into the hat of a street performer. So when you listen to an episode at generatorpodcast.com, you'll see a donate button right in the player. And please know that while it's never necessary, It's always greatly appreciated. So that's it. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And now let's start the show. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode seven of Generator. And this week joining me is Carrie Roseman of Carrie Roseman Studios. Now, Carrie and I have known each other for a handful of years now. She runs this incredibly high-end portrait service out of southeastern Connecticut in the new London area. She's been in business 19 years, so she is not new to the game. One of the things that I love about Carrie is her unending confidence in her ability to achieve whatever she sets her mind to. So we start by talking about her new studio that she manifested. It's a perfect space for a photographer. We talk about your authentic self and creating that voice and staying in a state of childlike wonder and play to create the work of your dreams. We talk about outsourcing, staying in your zone of genius, and really just creating content that ties into a brand that gives your client an exceptional experience. So Carrie's been doing it a long time. She's got a ton of wisdom, and this is a really, really fun conversation to have. I love seeing her grow over the years, and there is nothing stopping this woman going forward. So I want you to sit back and relax. This is a high-energy episode, and let's get started with the show with Carrie Roseman. This skull behind you. I'm a yes. skull aficionado. And this size, it's like backwards on the thing here. Yes. So I'm immediately drawn to that. But hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. We have all different kinds of weird aesthetic things in our house. So yeah. that skull thing is my husband's, but I think it's pretty cool. So you know, you can see some fairies up there. There's a couple of pictures of us. There's plants and it's a hodgepodge. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. You know, people come into the studio. I've got a collection of skulls of like, you know, from everything from like fool's gold pyrite all the way down to day of the dead type ceramic skulls. And they're everywhere. And people walk in and they're like, this is a little bit odd. I'm like, yeah, just chill. It's my thing. Like just hang out. Where are you today? Are you at home or are you in your studio? I'm at home. Uh, hence the hodgepodge. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, my studio, I just moved studios in the end of December. So to t- the turn of the year, I got a brand new space. I was at the previous location for about seven years and my new location is only about five minutes from my house. So I love that. So I'm, I'm at my house. I have a home office here. So whenever there's like the admin stuff for client calls. I do that here. I do all the client meetings and obviously the photographing and all that fun stuff at the studio. Um, I'll probably have some definitely like production things going on in there, uh, of course. But for today, I figured like this was this was good. No, it looks great. And I was watching the stories that you're putting online about the new studio and mm-hmm. it looks insane. Like it's, you've got a psych wall, right? You've got a cyclo wall. Like I, I saw the space, the raw space, and then what you turned it into and the, the staff of friends that you had unloading all your stuff and all the things. Tell me about, it's, it's like a dream space for a photographer. It is. And I actually talked a little bit about this on social, the fact that I actually manifested this particular space in a matter of four days or 19 years and four days, you know? So it's like, I was so specific about what I knew was non-negotiable in, in a new dream space. And that's how you have to be for, for manifesting. If you're going to place your order with the universe, like 
you're going to get mixed mixed uh, results if you're not specific. So I had a running checklist of all the things that I knew I wanted. And one day, well, I had already kind of started driving around just places I was looking at online. I'm like, oh, let me drive by this place. And they were kind of scattered in different towns. And then I was like, you know what? No, this is not what I want. I actually want to be in my town. And I'm just going to start driving around and seeing if there's phone numbers or for rent signs anywhere besides what I'm finding online. So I made uh, like four appointments that Wednesday for Friday to see four different spots and then uh, another four spots to see on Sunday. So I made eight appointments on that Wednesday and the place that I ended up getting, I saw on Sunday. So within four days of me actually like being decisive, making the decision, saying it is time for the new space. I saw it four days later after I made the decision. And it had, when I'm talking about the check boxes, I knew I wanted at least 3000 square feet, which does sound ginormous for a photography studio. And for those of you out there who may not even have a studio, like you only need like a corner in a window. You you don't actually need that much space, but I'm 19 years into my career and I teach other photographers. So it's like a workshop space as well. And I wanted to be able to have that room. I really didn't have, um, is much room to host something like that at the at the previous place. So that was going to be the upgrade, the square footage. I knew I wanted it to have an industrial feel. 12 foot ceilings is a, like a must, you know, for lighting and all the things. Um, big windows for natural light. I wanted my own bathroom. I wanted a kitchenette. I wanted a private parking. Um, in the downtown area where I live, there's like a main municipal lot, but other than that, it's street parking, but my building has a dedicated parking lot. So it's like kind of a gem to find in the downtown area of where I live. So it had all of these things. And then the company who bought the building was getting a big grant to do a renovation. So it was a build to suit. So I said, perfect. Maybe I can ask for a cyclorama here (laughs) and they built it for me. So I was like, all right. Um, So it like a cyclorama wasn't like a a non-negotiable, but I was like, if I have the space and they're already doing construction in there, it's a photographer's studio. I should definitely have a cyclorama. So there was a room in the studio where I was like, okay, take this wall down. And cause originally I was gonna have them take the two main walls down. So it was like the cyclorama was gonna be a corner open to the studio. Yeah. But then I was like, but then I'm move, removing a wall that I could hang backdrops on, on the other side. So it's actually a three walled cyclorama and it's like yeah. 17 feet wide. So it's, uh, it's really legit. Like I think when they, we had to go back and forth a little bit because they thought they were just going to build like a little cyclorama in this room. And I was like, no, the entire room <laughs> is the cyclorama. I want to walk into the space and be like, that's the cyclorama, you know? And the point of having a cyclorama is so that you just have continuous backdrop without shooting off of it. Doesn't mean that I don't ever want dirty frame. I, I like that too. But I just love having just that continuous white space. I shoot on white so much that it's like, it just made sense for me. I mean, I have like rolls, like I was buying so much like white backdrop paper. It was just like, so this is the upgrade. Now it'll be like, we have to maintain it and paint it sometimes, but that's okay. I'm totally down with that. Yeah, for real. I think that's, you know, I know it's my dream, right? So in the studio that I have, I've got these weird walls and it's just, it's, it's a very strange layout. It's an old mechanics garage, right? So I have to work within kind of what was in the building before. And I've got a couple of corners that I've always been like, man, I just want to build a psych wall in here. And I really don't have a need for it. Like it's definitely a nice to have, but I'm not bringing in like Ford F one fifties and doing these big commercial shoots or anything. Right. So I really don't need it. Um, But it's always been one of these, like, Oh, I'd love, I'd love to have that. And I cannot figure out how to do it in my studio without like sacrificing half the space to do it. Right. So you're super lucky. Now, where is the studio, right? You're you're in the Connecticut, New York City area. Where is it? Where are you located now? Yeah, so I'm Southeast Connecticut. So oh, it's New, Lon- New London is the name of oh, my sure. town. And so I'm, if you've ever heard of Mystic Connecticut, like 10 minutes from there. <laughs> so we're about 20 minutes from the border of Rhode Island. But like geographic wise, we're in a great area for like, 
we're an hour from Providence, um, Hartford and New Haven, and then two hours from Boston, about two and a half hours from New York. So it's, it's like really easy to get to. <laughs> um, and Shoreline, Connecticut is really beautiful. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, you're New England too, so you know. <laughs> it, it's the same, right? So it's it's really interesting. Like you're going to be hitting tourist season soon, right? Where you've got a lot of people visiting the coast and I'm kind of the same way. I'm just coming out of that. I had everybody come up for ski season. Do you have a uh, tourist season as part of your business? Like, do you get, I know it's not a walk, like you and I, neither of us have walk-in businesses, right? A whole yeah, lot. We're by but, appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that you get any level of bump during the summer where there's just more people in town visiting the coast or visiting Mystic? I don't, but it's also because I don't advertise for stuff like that. And I, I specialize in headshots, personal branding and boudoir, and then some like finer editorial style um, kind of photos. So I'm typically photographing one person at a time. Yeah. Does that mean I don't do couples or generations portraits? Absolutely, I do. Do I do families sometimes? Of course. But do I advertise it? No. <laughs> because it's just not the, like, if I start advertising that, then that's mostly going to be what I'm photographing. And it's fine to sprinkle it in, but it's not the bulk of what I desire to do. Because right then you're managing several personalities at a time. And then you are having to coordinate several outfits at a time. And it's just, it requires more energy. From the get-go, I was like, no weddings, no engagements, no couples, no families, no babies. Like I set that because I didn't want to get caught up in all the generalities, right? There's plenty of people that do it and do it way better than I could, quite frankly. They've got the personality for it. I don't, mm. but it brings up a question for me, right? So you've talked about manifesting. You've kind of created exactly what you want in your business. You've got personal headshots, uh, personal branding and headshots and boudoir, but you've kind of crafted your whole business around the client that you want, right? Mm. Not necessarily like, oh yeah, I can shoot anything. I mean, you've been doing this for 20 years, right? But mm. you've been able to build a business around this really high-end client that is not only attracted to what you do, but you're like, no, these are the people that I'm going to serve and that's it. I don't need to serve everybody. Do I have that right? I mean, it seems like you've really created exactly the client that you want and exactly the type of shoots that you want to do. And you're fearless with that. At least from where I sit, it looks fearless, right? So oh my God, that's so like incredible to hear actually, Matt. Thank you for that lovely thing to say. It is honing in on the qualities of who you desire to be working with and then showing up authentically in your own space, wherever right. you show up. Uh, that's going to draw in your ideal clientele faster than anything you, faster than anything else you can do. And great clients are kind of created. They're not just like, and they are out there in general, but you, as you know, people pay for what they value, but sometimes we have to demonstrate that value. So sometimes like, and I mentor other photographers too, sometimes people will be like, well, where do you, where do you find clients that spend thousands of dollars? And I'm like, they're walking around everywhere. They're at the grocery store. They're at the gym. They're like, when you're walking down the street in your neighborhood, like they might be your mailman. <laughs> like They are everywhere. It's not just like person one will spend this and person two. And there's like a unifying quality. It's do they value photos? Do they want to see themselves in a new way? Like, are they ready to celebrate their legacy or something they've been through or just a life moment, or they just want to capture this time right now so they can look back on it in 20 years. Like when I got specific about that, and this actually happened over the pandemic. So obviously 2020, we went into shutdown. I know it was different state to state, but we were shut down for four months and couldn't do client facing activities. So I got really in the back end of my business and got really organized in certain respects. And one of those things was really honing in on the ideal client that I wanted to serve because I thought I had it honed in, but I was still attracting in people who's every once in a while who had a very loud negative self-talk that they were buying into and believing. And then I don't care if you're Annie Leibovitz or whoever, you can, there's no amount of beautiful photos you can make of a person like that who's determined to not see it. So at that point, I made the decision, I don't want to work with that type of person anymore. I want to work with a person who's on a personal growth journey. So that is like the key descriptor that I, that they have permission to invest in themselves. 
They value photography. They're on a personal growth journey. They want to celebrate this moment for whatever reason. They're ready to see themselves in a new way and step into their next level. So that's like kind of like the crux of sure. who I'm attracting. And then as you know, like you mentioned my website, like my website is like 100% me and I show up as 100% me online. Mm -hmm. So what you see and what you hear and what you read is actually what you get. So the more authentic you are, the more it draws in the people who are meant for you, because I know I'm a lot for some people and they're going to be like, Carrie's not for me. Cool. Right. Then like you self-select out and the ones who do like the messaging, who do like my energy and my voice are going to be attracted to that. And they're going to want to be in, in my circle and, and want to work with me. So it's supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to just be in the middle and try to please everybody because then you're going to get such a mixed bag of results anyway. I know that coming out of the pandemic, there is this big movement. It wasn't even a movement. I think we just all kind of woke up and we were like, I don't have to be this thing that I'm not, right? Everybody's now used to drinking wine at one in the afternoon in their pajamas. Like we spent a year doing that. There's really nothing that we can throw out there now that people are going to either believe or not believe. I think the authenticity, the authentic people that are showing up and being like, yeah, this is me, take it or leave it. I think they're the ones that are really succeeding, the ones that are trying to be or fit a certain mold Folks can now kind of see through that. They see through the spin. They know the marketing. People are way savvier now as clients than I think they used to be. I think they wanted to buy into an idea. Now it's just kind of like, do I vibe with you or not? One thing that I've really noticed about you and known you for years now has been this, like, this is me, take it or leave it. And I love that because it shows up in absolutely everything you do, whether it's your posing videos or whether it's your education or just you educating your clients about what it is that they're going to go through. It's yeah. unapologetically you. And the thing that I love about that is clients do self-select out and they're like, not the personality for me or, oh my God, where has this chick been my entire life? Because that's the photographer for me, right? I think the more that you can lean into that as a business owner or as a photographer or creative of any sort, the more you lean into that, the tribe comes and finds you. Yeah. Was there yeah. ever a moment where you're like, this isn't working. This is freaking me out. Should I do this? Should I not? Should I like be a little bit more reserved? Were you ever at a point where you were like self-censoring or, or having some of that self-doubt? You're like, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. I should do something more traditional. Or were you I, just always like middle finger to the world and be like, ah, I don't care what I do. Oh my God. This is such a great question because this has everything to do with confidence, right? And mm -hmm. people ask me this type of thing a lot because I do come off authoritative and direct and confident. And but it wasn't always like that. I did have a lot of like self-doubt and you know, perfectionism, things trying to get in the way. And should I look a certain way? Should I be like showing certain kind of images? Should I be saying certain things? And I did find that like, before I went full-time portrait, I did shoot weddings for a number of years and that work is beautiful. And it was like hard for me to make the decision to walk away, but I just wasn't happy doing it anymore. But I found before I really showed the work that lit me up, I was showing really mediocre stuff online and I was getting like a mediocre response. And then when I started to really show like stuff with blur or this, or this quiet moment, or that like, you know, stuff that nobody else was shooting, that's when my people were like coming out of the woodwork, like, where have you been? <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing on the portrait side, but when I went full-time portrait, and I had been shooting portraits, but I was shooting burn and charging next to nothing. I needed to do a lot of self-value work in general, not just on my money story, but who I was as a person. And to know that life is too short to be a people pleaser. Like, who am I here to please? I'm here to please myself. That, that's one of the main messages that I have out there is put yourself first because you actually fill your cup more and then you have more to give the people you love and it's such a backwards concept for people who are so used to putting themselves last whether they're an entrepreneur or one of our clients or a friend of ours or whoever like 
life is so short, man. Like, are you going to sit here waiting to do the thing that you want to do or waiting to be the person you want to be and then be at the end of days and have be full of regret? Or are you just going to decide to be who you want to be and to not apologize for it? Like, I don't need to apologize <laughs> to anybody, but it was a process. Like the way I describe this to the photographers I mentor is it's like the big unlearn, the unlearn of all of this conditioning that we were in the homes we were brought up in, in the schools we were around, in so popular culture and media everywhere. It's just all the, this messaging that was given to us. And it's like, we have to peel back the layers and find what's true for us. That's a personal growth journey right there. <laughs> I know a lot of people are afraid to really be themselves because then it's like, oh, are people going to like me? That's been a huge, it's been a huge struggle for me, right? I spent so long in corporate that I was trained to do everything like super high professional, use all the buzzwords, right? Everything's a 30,000 foot view and blah, 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 blah. And so after, you know, 20 years in the corporate world and then working for myself, I thought that you had to present a certain image in order to be taken seriously, right? Because I had no background in photography. I had no idea what I was doing. At the same time, like trying to find my own self-value, my own self-confidence, trying to figure out who I was in this next phase of life, right? All that going on. I realized that I was trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be in the role that I was playing as a photographer. Like I never identified solidly with being a photographer. I was just like, I can play that role for a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time was all the imposter syndrome, all the comparison. And I'd be lying if I said, I don't fall into that now, right? If I'm doom scrolling on social media too much, like inevitably I'm going to be like, my work sucks. I can't do it. Gary does. Oh my God. But when <laughs> we, all, we all do that. No matter what do. level you get to, there's always going to be a little bit of that. You know, I'm just going to hang it up because I'm never going to be that good. When I finally stepped back and I said, like you, fuck, this is the only life we get. Like, I'm going to be 50 years old. Do I really want to still be trying to please these people that honestly are just my teenage bullies? Like, why am I trying to please that avatar of a person? And once I started to strip that back, I realized, oh, this, this feels way better. This feels way better to just kind of be me never put on a tie again. And it's just, I'm going to get seven denim jackets because that's all I'm going to wear for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like just being me. And then I realized it's been a slower process than I want, but those folks come for the stuff that I create. When I try to create the retail mass market, everyone's just like, meh, everyone does that, right? Yeah. But when you do your thing and you just stand behind the thing that you do, Everybody that you want to attract, you do attract. When you start to feel that and let it happen, your world changes. Mm. And it sounds like that was a huge shift for you. Like once you once you turn that on and you're like, this is just going to be me, that things really kind of took off for you. There's been dips and doubts and all the oh, things sure. there as well, for sure. Especially if you're learning like a new skill or you're trying to do something different creatively. like. I have certainly been in my fair share of creative ruts, <laughs> like <laughs> gone through my fair share of burnouts, gone through my fair share of like, what the heck do I even want to be photographing? Yeah. Like, um, you know, I, and that is something that happens throughout your career. Like yeah. I know people who used to photograph babies and now they photograph animals like exclusively. So it's like, you're allowed to pivot and check in with yourself and see how am I feeling about this still? Do I still right. want to do this or do I want to pivot? And that's like, that's what I did when I, I shut off the weddings. I mean, it's been years now, but that was like, that was a big pivot for me. And then when I started photographing, I was like, I'm going to photograph everything because mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to photograph. And now it's just like, okay, so I know the main things I'm doing, personal mm -hmm. branding and boudoir, but I really do love pinup. And people have been asking me about that quite a bit. So I'm like, maybe I'll push that because it's mm -hmm. so for me. I love vintage and I love like that type of kind of styling. For someone that has been shooting for 19 years, 
right? Yeah. I'm sure that you've kind of floated in and out of genres and kept refining that voice. And I like doing this, but let me bring this technique over here and try it with headshots, or let me try this boudoir thing over here in personal branding. And so I'm sure it's been iteration after iteration and fine tuning what it is that you want to shoot. Are you feeling right now that the personal branding, the headshots, the boudoir, right? The fine art that this is where you want to be. Or when I just saw in your eye, you were talking about pinup. Does the possibility of a new little niche or a, a side niche side quest, does that like fill you with all sorts of new creative possibilities? And at what point do you go from this is personal work that I love to yeah, I want to market this and keep doing this at the risk of becoming bored with it. This is a good question. I think it's all about, it's based in finding your voice, right? And what mm -hmm. lights you up. Because mm -hmm. what we're photographing, who we're working with, should make us feel more energized mm -hmm. and drain us. And that's a good check-in. So if you are feeling drained by something, it means that maybe that's not the right path for you because um, you're going to continue to feel drained by that thing. Like a lot of family shoots are draining for me because you're just, like I said, you're dealing with so many different personalities and things, especially if you're dealing with littles and you're chasing them around and dealing with meltdowns and all the things. And I'm very good at that. But when I'm done with it, I feel like depleted almost. Can I do it? Yes. Can I do it? Well, do I want to do it all the time? No. <laughs> do I feel really empowered when I have a woman or a man in my studio who I changed the way they see themselves. And now they have next level portraits for their business, or they have the most beautiful portraits of seeing themselves sexy in a way that they never thought they were like, that is life-changing for me. That energizes me <laughs> after a shoot. There are a lot of things that I want to be shooting just for me. And we do as creatives, especially, need to take time to create just for ourselves. Leave money off the table. Just do something for yourself. Like I love still life and food and things like that. Like I just want to, and flowers, like I want to do some of that stuff just for me or have a creative idea with portraits because portraits is always like my first love, but I love movement and fabric and nudes and things like that. But most people coming into my studio, even if they are boudoir, most people aren't being like, hey, let's be naked completely, <laughs> you know? So that would be like a particular thing that I would probably want to shoot for a project for me, or maybe to get featured in like a local art gallery or something. You were asking like about niches. So I think checking in with your energy is super important. Different kinds of clients light me up in different ways too. Yeah. Like the people who are really excited and they, they just, they, it's always about making a decision and choosing it, right? Sure. When they decide they're going to have a good time and they're going to, uh, they're going to go on set and let it be all about them. They're really fun yeah. to work with. And it's, it, it requires a little bit more work on our end when we're working with somebody who's scared to let the wall down, to let themselves be seen. We have to do a little bit more work to get them warmed up, but then they end up having the moment. And then I feel energized by it. You know what I mean? As far as a marketing perspective, if there's something you're offering and you no longer want to offer it, you don't have to continue to offer it. And this is what I think a lot of people don't understand is mm -hmm. that, you know, those of us that are in business for ourselves, it's our business. We can change things anytime we want. Anytime. I don't care if I had, you know, all black and white images of families last week. This week, I'm doing nothing but high definition pet portraits. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. But I think I'm like you, where I draw energy when I know I've connected with someone in the right way, that it becomes less about me being a photographer and them a client. And we're in this collaboration together because yes. we've built the trust. We've had the conversation. They're excited. They trust what I'm going to do, even though maybe inside me, it's screaming. I have no clue what I'm about to do, but just trust in the craft, trust that, you know, I know what I'm doing and you just fall into flow with the, with the client, you know, your personality is such like you can connect with anyone, but yeah, I think there's certainly something different when we get clients that are excited about what we can create and you get past all the nervousness, not saying that they're not nervous, but you get past that, that debilitating nerve 
that is going to keep you from getting any level of expression or any type of interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this this connection. Now, do you find that it does become that you're open to their ideas or are you looking for ideas from them? Or do you just say, I got this, you just keep your energy up and I'm going to guide you through what you want. And this is a great question because it also has to do with process sure. and how you actually work with your clients in every entrepreneur, every photographer is going to do this differently. Like I know some who just like to be super planned and they, if it's this type of session, they're going to shoot it like these setups every single time. That's not how I work. We custom create the session based on how you want to feel, what you want to see about yourself, or if you have a specific idea, if I have personal branding clients and they have like their marketing team, give me like a a rider or X, Y, Z shots I have to get. Like all of these things are good. I always ask somebody, how do you want to be photographed? Because sometimes they come to me with a specific idea and sometimes they don't. And either of these things are fine. So if they don't have an idea about clothes or a feel or a thing, then I'll say, we're, we're going to base this off on, on how you want to see yourself. And like, how would your partner describe you? How would your child describe you in three words? Like, how do you want to feel when you see these images? So we go off that. And then once we plan the wardrobe, we, I kind of let the styling inform the sets and mm. what that looks like, as well as the lighting. So then I can create the flow of we're going to do outfit number one. Then this is outfit number two on the white set, the black set. We're going to light it like this over here, natural light over here, strobe over here. That's just feels like the organic way for me to work as where other, and then I know other photographers (laughs) who have zero plan going in because that's just the way they like to work and it's magic every time. So I think I'm a combo of planned and organic, um, but that's just what kind of feels good for me as where other people are like, no, I need to plan every single pose. And I'm like, dude, I need to let it unfold organically because I don't know how they're actually going to look until I see it on set. It's a really good balance that you found between kind of the the process system workflow thing that you have to have as a business owner if you're going to have any level of repeat success. But you give yourself enough room to balance that creative side of your brain that can just enter flow and just be you, right? And just kind of let the muscle memory take over. Your mind is free to imagine, right? You know, you're going to get the shot. You know, the lighting's going to be good. But now as you're engaging the client, you can push them a little bit more, push yourself a little bit more, maybe try some different things that might be a little bit edgy for them, but you know is going to get them closer to what they want to see about themselves. I love that method. I think I, I fit in there. Sometimes I have less of a plan and there's a lot of fear that kicks up like, here we go. I guess I should have done one more mood board because you didn't bring any of the clothes that I thought you were going to bring. So that always throws me for a loop (laughs) because I'm like, we had a plan (laughs) and it just, sometimes I get aggravated if that happens, but it rarely happens because I'm like, generally people are like, cool. Thank you so much for helping me. I know what I'm going to wear. And they bring those things. Uh, And sometimes they bring completely other stuff and I'm like, okay, I have to rework the plan, but it's fine (laughs) because I have enough experience. But when I very first started photographing, I was at FIT in New York City and the Fashion Institute of Technology, they had, and I don't know what their program is like now, but it was based in film. And we had a studio uh, there. They didn't have any natural light. It was all, it was like hot lights, scoop lights Uh um, or strobes, or we were shooting on location. I was shooting all film. It was right. Like digital had been introduced, but like, I was like, Oh no, I love film. I love being in the dark room. And, and you never knew what you were going to get. Right. Because it's like, you have X amount of exposures and you just got to nail the shot and everything was manual focus. And, um, I believe having that experience helped really hone my eye, but I didn't know what I was doing a lot of the time. And I was just It's like, you don't know what you don't know. And so you're so creatively free. Then we learn all the things. And then we have to kind of, in order to get back to that, that childlike play, uh, we kind of have to like unlearn some of the the tight technical grip we've put on everything, right? So um, I think that's what I'm at this point in my career, trying to get back to more of that play. Because sometimes it does feel like... 
we don't get to play enough, <laughs> if that makes sense. Totally. It totally makes sense. It's the one big thing that I learned from the workshops with Parker mm. was I know, he's huge on that. I never gave myself a chance to play when I've freed myself of that. It's given me the best work that I've ever created. Right. And yeah. the, the stuff that I'm most connected to that I feel most proud of because it had nothing to do with money. It had everything to do with just pure expression. I don't think any of us give a, ourselves enough time to play. Do you carve out specific time for you to do that, to just do personal work and just play or? Okay, here's the answer to that. Not as much as I would like to currently, but I'm actively working on that. In all of our businesses, we wear all of the hats to do all of the things, right? So I've just actually hired some virtual help to nice. offload some of the things that are no longer bringing me joy in my business, like administrative work and checking my emails and like, and creating Facebook banners and like uh, graphics and trying to put sales pages together. Like these things need to get done. Do they need to get done by me? No. Is Are those things my genius zone? No. Is connecting with people and creating my genius zone? Absolutely. So it's the more you operate in your zone of genius, the more you actually bring in abundance into your life. There's there's actually an exercise that one of a, a coach that I had, um, a couple of coaches that I've had have used with me and I've used this with the photographers that I mentor too, where it's like you put uh, these tasks in a quadrant and it's like all of the tasks you do in your business and it's like tasks you love to do and want to do down to tasks you hate and don't know how to do or don't want to do. And then you can kind of see like, where do we outsource first? <laughs> and then hopefully when you have help and they're trained and and everything like that hopefully you're doing most of the genius zone things because that's really where you're going to get to be the star in your business and this all depends on your energy levels your personality your workflows your processes of procedures and your systems and everybody works differently yeah. in those regards as well so can i do all the things yes but it is the fastest way to lead me to burnout and when i'm on that track i lose creativity as well I'm actively working on opening up more time in my schedule. I love the way that you kind of talked about that quadrant, the whole Gay Hendricks big leap. That's such a great book and I've read it several times. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I know, I think you and I talked about it years ago, but we all spend our time doing the things that we don't like to do or don't know how to do, but we're the only ones that have the time or energy in our business to do them. So you kind of fumble through it, you hate it, and it takes you away from working on the business rather than working in the business. A lot of the creatives that I talk to now, regardless of what discipline they're in, photographers, sculptors, whatever, writers, is that the only time that they're able to feel most creative and relax is when they take a step back from everything or they offload it. Yep. We know what the formula is. We do. We and don't we follow the recipe. <laughs> we know what it is. We know how to make our lives better and we don't do it. A coach that I had a couple of years ago said, the more I play, the more I get paid. Ah, I love that. And it is true. And, and to kind of take it back to the big leap in Gay Hendricks. So he identifies very clearly that there's so many people who are operating in their zone of excellence, but if they just could get to their zone of genius, it would like, like 10 X everything and beyond. So this has been part of my big unlearn and my process of asking for help and allowing the people <laughs> that I'm hiring to actually help me because uh, I've had different size teams before and I've people have cycled through, have moved away or it wasn't a right fit anymore. And that's fine. But I, and I've learned so much in that process of like how to vet and how to hire better. Um, and I'm really glad that I'm in this uh, kind of season where I'm bringing on a team that can support me in the way that I, that I need to be supported because there have been times recently, Matt, where I have not been having a lot of fun <laughs> because I'm like, I feel like I'm chained to this computer and I don't want to be at this computer for this many hours. And if we're not having fun in our business, then what are we even doing? So it's like, that's, you got to have these check-ins with yourself, but I wasn't even giving myself enough of a break when I was on vacation to enjoy myself, like, because I was always thinking about the business, always thinking about the business, like my honeymoon, for example, uh, two years ago, I was just like having so much trouble relaxing, even though I had people checking my emails and like all of the client work was caught up on. There was nothing 
emergent at all. Like it was all fine, but I had to learn that it's okay yeah. and that I can relax. And that a bit, another big lesson recently has been just because the time looks like it's available in your calendar doesn't mean you need to fill it. Preach, sister. Preach. <laughs> it's so hard sometimes because you're like, oh, I can take another client phone call this day. Oh, uh -huh. I can schedule another meeting that day. Oh, I can do this extra thing or go over here. And it's like, you don't actually have to do all those just because it looks because rest is productive. And I think that's where our society just the hustle culture. I can't. We're not supposed to function like that. We are supposed to rest and recuperate. <laughs> it's the universe saying, hey, here's a little bit of extra time. Just chill out just a little bit. Because know? that, because rest is productive. And then like, if your batteries are depleted, like you're not going to be as effective. Like I found that when I try to write that last email, when I'm tired, it takes me 10 times longer to actually do it <laughs> and to have it make sense. Whether it's like, you know what, if I just came back, with fresh eyes in the morning, it'll be fine. <laughs> I saw something recently. I, I'm sure it was TikTok or Reels or something where I'm doom scrolling at whatever time in the morning. I caught an online coach, a business coach, and he said most entrepreneurs aren't actually entrepreneurs. They don't run a business. They are self-employed. And mm -hmm. it, I felt personally attacked like that because... His next statement was, unless you can step back from your business for 90 days and have it run itself, you are not running a business, you are self-employed. It's like Rupert Murdoch doesn't step in front of a computer every day and do his trades and run his systems. He doesn't do that. He's got people that do that for him. It really got me thinking, am I self-employed or do I run a business? And it's really stuck in the back of my head for the past couple of days going, I don't want to be self-employed. I want to run a business. And it is a huge mind shift to be in because like you, it's very difficult for me to take a weekend off or a week off. God forbid I take two weeks off. Then like every nerve in my body is on fire. Why am I not doing this? And it's such an indicator that there need to be better systems, better workflows, better things in place so yeah. that the business can run without you at the helm all the time. I think it's an important thing that a lot of self-employed folks need to get over. It's okay to be self-employed, that's perfectly fine. But if you want the business to run without you, you've got to take some steps to make that happen. Again, it sounds like you've been able to finally get to that place or are working much faster towards that and whatever version of that that it looks like to you. Right? So the, uh the VA company that I'm working with, her saying is delegate to elevate. And it's, Great. it's so true because again, it has to, it goes back to that zone of genius stuff. Before I hired them, I basically had just been working with one other kind of VA in my business. And she was great. She was like helping me with my emails and my email lists and all that. Previous to that, I had like five or maybe six different people who are working with me regularly. Looking back on it now, some of them weren't the right fit and they were just filling some roles. Um, but there were, you know, some things that weren't happening, like deadlines being missed or miscommunications and blah, blah, blah. So I decided when I was done with them that I was just going to run the ship by myself for a little while to get everything on the track that I wanted to. And I knew it was going to come time like, okay, let me bring some people back on little by little, but it has to be the right fit. So that's where we're at now. It does feel really good. It is a process though, you know, training. And I have like all these training videos and loom libraries and all the things and like, you know, SOPs and policies and procedures and let's get an NDA signed over here. And like, there's all that kind of stuff that goes with it. But once you're in a flow, once people are on your team and they know what you do, who you serve, like how you talk to people, what, where you need to show up, what the marketing funnels are, what needs to go out when, and you have that support. It's such a beautiful thing. And I'm very excited about all of that because I know people who are very organized and genius at all of that stuff, but I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so <laughs> I can do a lot, but I'm also not willing to do it to the detriment of my health and energy and well-being either. So we mentioned this at the beginning of the, the podcast about how much people realize what was important to them and what's not and what they see as job satisfaction and what's not, what they're willing to put up with and what they're not. And it gave people a sense of perspective. 
And that was the biggest thing that came out of it for me anyway, is understanding who I am, what it is that I want to do, what I don't want to do more importantly, mm -hmm. and what's the life that I want to live authentic. I want it to be satisfying. That's not necessarily a financial goal for me. I just want to feel that joy every day. And it feels like a lot of people are heading in that direction. I'm hearing the same stories from a lot of folks of getting rid of the things that don't serve them, that it becomes a much more content lifestyle, regardless of where you are in the financial spectrum. It's just more fulfilling. And people are focusing on authentic fulfillment rather than having to present an image of themselves of something they're not. Yeah. You had mentioned in there as well, talking about all the content that you're creating and the the processes and the systems and the workflows and not only educating the staff that you're bringing on, but I see you do a lot of that too in your education for photographers, right? The, the posing videos in some of your mentor stuff. Do you find that content creation piece something fun for you or is it something you have to do? Do you love doing that work? Outside of like, hey, I've got this digital product that I can sell, the act of creating all of that, do you find that fun, engaging, or just part of the business that is necessary for you? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that it flows. It just flows out of me, like, which is a gift, right? So right. where I'm really great and shining in that is like, I'm, I'm confident on camera stills or video. I feel like I'm pretty well-spoken. I feel like I have great energy and I, so I like to create the content. I just don't like to be the one who has to do the finishing and putting it together and then captioning and searching out the hashtags and then putting it over on Pinterest. And then, you know, let's make a blog about it and let's email the list. Like that part of it, I want to create it and then hand it off. So it goes all the places it needs to. And again, I know so, so many people who are so organized on the social media and marketing end of things. It's not to say that I'm disorganized. I'm just not in all of the places that I want to be True. on my own. <laughs> that's all. But yeah, that's a great question. I mean, when I made the first posing course, the posing essentials course, I didn't script it at all. I had kind of an outline that I went on and I just shot it in like two days. Like that was it. Um, and I, it was so great. <laughs> I was like, Whoo, that was awesome. Let's do more of that. So, and then I created the boudoir course where in editing for that now, but there's a list of stuff that I want to create that is so helpful for people. If you can monetize what's easy for you, that's the magic. And a lot of people don't even realize what their gifts are until all of a sudden they realize like, oh, this is like the 10th person who's asked me about this thing that's so easy for me. And then they realize sometimes they're like, oh, I can make money at this. And sometimes they realize or they don't realize it and they just help people for free forever. Any and all of that is fine. Things that come easy to us, take, examine that. Like what's easy for you that's hard so, for other people. So I'll ask you another question on that. As you're, as you're doing all of this, as you're creating it, do you find that there's a good balance for you between just like turning your phone on and recording something versus hiring a team? Do you try to get things out quickly rather than have everything perfect? What's your kind of like philosophy around pumping out this content that you know is easy for you, but, you know, is it a certain quality that fits your brand, fits your style? Like, where do you fit with all of that? I think there is a place for all of these type of things. So like for our photos, right? You mm -hmm. Sometimes people will say, well, I don't want them to look so professional, but that's not what they mean. They just mean like, too stiff or posed or something, and they want some more candid kind of stuff that they can use in their marketing. But then those people have have the photos that we create for them in their business. But then it's like, absolutely take a selfie. People want to see that too. Like just turn your phone on yourself and use the built-in video and and uh, like I'm doing right now on my computer. I, we're, I'm just using the the mic on, on here and that's what I'm doing. Um, so there is a place for both of these things and people do feel like they get an inside look when you're just with your phone mm -hmm. they feel like it's real it's kind of like you know in the moment marketing also sure. that is going to have the biggest draw 
of anything else, whether it's planned and scheduled or not, because if you're in the moment with it and you're like, I'm just feeling really called to share X, Y, Z things right now, and I'm going to turn my video on and I'm going to post it, you will get more traction on something that has that energy on it than something that's just planned and scheduled. Doesn't mean that scheduling posts doesn't have a place. Of course it does. So, so for me, it's a mix. I really do like having a team. I had a videographer work with me for almost a year and then she moved out of state, but it was really great because she would just come in. We would just plan some content. We would record it and then she would edit it and then put it together for me to post in different places. And I found that really relieving because I, you know, for me to create a reel, <laughs> I'm on my phone, like... <laughs> takes me a long time. So I'm like, uh, I'm excited to get back to the point where it's like, Hey, let's just have a content plan, creating the content pillars. What do you want to talk about in your business? What are you selling? What are the content pillars? Let's talk about those things. Um, and then creating that. And then I can just like offload it to the team to put together and put all the places. But yeah, I've been more like kind of in the moment. Sometimes I schedule stuff out, but it's been without a direct social media team. Currently it's more when I'm feeling it. I know for me, I've had better traction when it's just turning the camera on and going, just talking, See? rather than being like, all right, I've been doing this for 20 years. Let me get the lighting right. Let me make sure the LUT is perfect on the video so that the color grading is all great. And when I spend all that time and I upload it and there's like four likes, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. It seems to be even the over overproduced, the highly produced stuff doesn't have the same injection of energy or joy that just turning the camera on and talking to that person on the other side, that, that it, it feels different when I'm doing that. I feel more connected to the audience when I'm just turning it on rather than being like, all right, is the teleprompter running? Do I have everything correct? Right. Is everything synced up? It takes you out of just being you. So I'm really leaning into just using this and, yeah you know, getting what I get, again, being unapologetic about what it is that I, what I am and what I'm producing, right? So time will tell if it works. Yeah, well, people want to feel like it's real, right? right like right. that's, that's the thing. I think that's probably why people like TikTok so much. Because people just like flip their phones on, they'll be sitting in their car, they don't care. They, they have a message, they want to say it, right? Whatever it is. Um, of course, there's some more highly produced TikTok <laughs> as well. But I feel like a lot of it feels very in the moment and just like with the phone, because I mean, we all have a video camera and a camera on us at all times that has a mic. So we, we can just use that. You know, it does bode well if it's lit better, <laughs> like just be in front of a window or something, <laughs> then you're good. Like there's been this kind of like more conversational style of writing that happened probably about 20 13, 2015, that's when I first discovered that first badass book by Jen Sincero. It was like, yeah. I picked it up and I started reading it. And I was like, this is conversational writing. I had never experienced that before. It, everything was always like proper English, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It felt like you were more reading like a textbook rather than, oh, I feel like the author is actually speaking to me. Yeah. And maybe it's not grammatically correct, but I am picking up this message loud and clear. Like, And I feel the same has translated on social media and in our websites and how we show up wherever in person online and the fact that yes do we have some of the stuff with high production value and polish absolutely of course we are in that industry <laughs> but like do, does uh just doing stuff with our phone yeah absolutely 100 percent. i think you you hit on like 2013 2015 we started seeing all this authentic writing come out and i was just thinking about them you had all these personalities that were coming out that were just like blowing up the traditional marketing model blowing up the traditional client interaction and being like, it's okay, you have permission to do it whatever way you want, which kind of wraps us back up into everything as I try to land this plane here of the authenticity being everything that maybe it's taken us seven or eight years to get there. But that's where we learned a lot about being us and what matters, what matters to our clients, what matters to us, what can we do for us? What can we do for them? It gave people a lot of introspection. Why am I wasting my time doing this? If it doesn't feel good, if it's not in my zone of genius, if I'm doing the 
the tasks that I don't like to do and I don't know how to do, <laughs> why am I living there? And I think a lot of people felt that in the jobs that they were in. Why am I going to this job that I don't like every day? Why am I doing these things that I don't like to do? Let me start a side business. Let me start a side hustle, see where that goes. And there's been this re-emergence of crafters and creators and people that are just like, yeah, let me take a stab at affiliate marketing, or let me take a stab at writing children's books on Amazon. But it got people creating and thinking authentically again. And I love where this is going. Now, the interesting thing is going to see how long that lasts. If this stays on trend, or if it goes back to something a little bit more manufactured. I don't know. I hope it stays here because I love this space. But what are your thoughts? AI, I feel super mixed about. Yeah. <laughs> Because I feel like there are tools there that will be very helpful for running businesses, but for replacing photography, no, never. I don't think that's going to be agree with that either. Um, yeah. just like, just like people say, oh, like print is dead. Like books are never going to stop being published. The paper is still going to be there. Like people still like something tangible, but I do think something like chat GPT is mm -hmm. very helpful to make workflow faster for things like social media posts and things like that. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in technology, right. And I'm a big believer in embrace it now, learn how to use it in your business or not, but just understand what's out there because what's going on now for me is very similar to, Oh my God, digital cameras are going to stop photography, right? It's the same thing we go through about every 20 or 30 years, right? Yeah. So I don't see this as necessarily the photography killer or the creativity killer. I think it's just going to allow us to think in different directions and start to alter our businesses in ways that becomes more efficient. I have zero problem with that. Get me out of social media. <laughs> Let a robot take over. I'm cool with that. Um, I, that way I can get back to just talking to my clients and networking and doing the stuff that I love to do and do well. You are constantly creating. You're constantly manifesting. I see you growing year over year over year. Where do you want to be in the next phase of your career? That's a really great question. I think if I'm honest, I probably want more education and less behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And maybe some like cool gallery work kind of stuff going on, like stuff that's very different from what I shoot now. Courses, masterminds, creative retreats. I love that. Like, I hosted a retreat. It wasn't necessarily a creative retreat, but it was like a, like a mastermind kind of goal setting type of retreat, which was super great still. But yeah, travel and creation, that's exciting to me. I love that idea. Uh, well, but that's going to happen not in three to five years. That's happening like now. <laughs> so, But that all ties into where it is that you want to be, right? And I have no doubt that whether it's a gallery show, whether it's just travel, whether it's personal work, that you are going to get exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt in my mind. I have seen you just put your foot down and going, I am going to be this. I am going to have this. These are going to be my clients. And you've created the life of your dreams. Have you oh, not? Yeah, I, well, it's, yeah. I mean, I still feel like. From the outside. Yeah. <laughs> From no, the outside. fabulous to hear. It's, uh, there's always like, you get a goal and then there's the next goal, right? Sure, so you're always like ascending. I have big goals and yeah. I am a go-getter and I am fiercely determined and ambitious. <laughs> so like, there's no me not getting what I want, but on the other side of that, in being who I am and being so confident and, and goal-driven, I tend to be the person that people don't check up on. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, Car that's Carrie, she's fine. Like, but so I'm like, sometimes I need a little check-in, <laughs> you know, uh, because there are there can be rough patches and things like that, but I do have some really good ideas about where I want this thing to go. And I am, I am very excited about it. Thank you for your support saying like you can, you know, that it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen too. <laughs> well, I have ridiculous faith. And I mean, if the track record is, is any indication, I have all the faith in the world that you're going to get exactly what you want. So when you do decide to publicize whatever that is, or if you just want to come back and be like, I told you that I was going to do all this and you did it. I would love to have you back and we could talk about it again. 
Oh, fabulous, Matt. This has been so refreshing. And I'm, I'm glad that we had this uh, lovely banter about just some behind the scenes type of stuff. And, you know, a mindset is always a piece of it, right? Like, so we're always going to touch on that a bit. But always. yeah, this has been very joyous for me. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. One of the things I do want to get going Ooh. is my own podcast. So I would love to have you on whenever that happens. And I, I don't have a date for that yet, but it's something that does bring me joy. I listen to podcasts. I love being on podcasts. Like, And I have a lot to say. So I would like to host a podcast. <laughs> why I did it, right? Maybe I can start recording content of how to start it and all the pitfalls to avoid. Well, so that's funny. I think that's one of the reasons why or I don't think, I know that's one of the reasons why I haven't done it yet because I'm like, oh, okay, the podcast, there's going to be all of these steps to do. I just want to record the thing and hand it off and like have somebody else do the things. Um, so we're getting there. Like I, there's so many things in like the marketing sphere that I want to get done, but podcasting I know is something that's going to bring me joy. Yeah. But of course I, I got to, I mean, it brings me joy when I guest, so I can imagine that I would enjoy just hosting as well, but you got to do it to, in order to, to really know, right? That's it. It's the only reason you got to step forward and just kind of step up to the plate and do it. So I can't wait to see what you create, but thank you so much for being here. And yeah, like I said, once, uh, once you get the next thing going, please come back and tell me about it. Okay. Right? Will do. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for being here. <laughs> okay. Take have care. a great day. Bye-bye. Hey there, can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.